R&R trains, coaches, and mentors women, empowering them to overcome personal and professional challenges and enabling them to revitalize and rise. You are now listening to R&R Sheroes, conversations with inspirational and sheroic female role models who are creating a difference. To hear these motivational conversations, subscribe to RevitalizeAndRise.com. Hello and a very, very warm welcome to yet another exciting episode of R&R Sheroes. And I am super excited today because I have today with me this wonderful women of many talents. So let me start by introducing this amazing lady. Bushra Nasser was a secondary head teacher with 20 years experience in the London borough of Newham before retiring in December 2012. She was the first Muslim female head teacher of a secondary school in the UK. In 2003, she was awarded a CBE for services to education and in 2005 won the Asian Professional Women of the Year Award. She served on the General Teaching Council from 2000 to 2005 and was president of the Muslim Teachers Association for six years. In 2006, Mrs. Nasser was awarded an honorary doctorate from the University of East London for her services to education. In 2007, she received a fellowship from Queen Mary College London. She is currently on the Education Advisory Panel for Mozak and is a coach for the NCSL BME Head Teacher Internship Program. She is a council member of Queen Mary University and the chair of the Education Committee of the Migration Project. Mrs. Nasser is a co-author of a book called Breaking Stereotypes, which aims to provide positive role models for ethnic minority young people. In 2009, she was named in the top 10 list of Muslim women in the Muslim Power List produced by the Equality Human Rights Commission and published in the Times. She was special advisor to Prime Minister Tony Blair in 2007. Mrs. Nasser was also awarded TES Head Teacher of the Year in summer 2012. She's also been named as the top 10 most influential Asian women in the UK. So without further ado, let's welcome her. Hello, Bashra. How are you? Hi. Good afternoon. Nice to talk to you, Hira. Thank you so much. And oh my God, you, this is amazing, Bushra. So many achievements. I am so impressed. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tell me something, Bushra. And I was really excited because uh, usually in R&R Shiro's, I interview women from across the globe, women who have achieved something. And in the last few months, I have um, interviewed a lot of white women and a lot of amazing black women. I didn't have a lot of Asian women on my list, to be honest. So when I came across your name, I was overwhelmed with excitement. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I need to interview Bushra and I, and I emailed you immediately. So how was your experience? Because I'm sure you ticked all the boxes, a women, a women belonging to ethnic minority group, women who also migrated at a young age. So what was the experience like? Did you face a lot of challenges? I think I I face a lot of challenges, but I also was given lots of opportunities. So with challenges have come, opportunities have come my way. I came to England when I was eight years old. My father was here. He'd come four years before us, and then we joined him four years later. So I arrived in England without really any um, knowledge of English, although I had gone to school in Pakistan. But obviously arriving in England without any English, uh, it, it's, it's pretty tough at a young age, but you learn very quickly. So that was a challenge of learning English and adjusting to the education system here. Yeah, and I was the first woman in my family to go to university. That was a challenge. So I was paving the way for my sisters, cousins, and other people. 
Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, you are really a Shiroic female role model, aren't you? Um, so tell me something else. So definitely, if you were the first woman in from your family, um, how did your family see it? Were they happy? Were they proud? Were, were there any objections? To go to university, I think my parents were very keen that I went to university. They, you know, my both my father had, you know, had just studied here as well as well as working. But my my mother had a, a very minimal education in Pakistan, and she was very keen for her daughters to right. succeed. So yeah, I had a lot of push from my parents. But you know, there were people um, in in our community who were asking my parents, "Why are you sending your daughter?" to university you know why don't you get a married why don't you do this why don't you do that and so on but my parents said no education is one of the best things in Britain and we want our, both our sons and daughters to avail the opportunities available to them so I'm very grateful to my parents who That's really fantastic. really encouraged me and my brothers in our studies. That's fantastic. So what was your own reaction to naysayers? Still, at a time when you came, I think there were relatively few women, even in the UK itself, despite being a very well-developed country, a very, you know, Pakistan is is comparatively a developing country, and UK is, of course, far more advanced in terms of education, in terms of women empowerment. But I still see um, a lot of challenges that women here too face in terms of progressing at workplace. Did you face those challenges? Yeah, I mean, in my degree, I started a degree in, um, really, it was a combined degree in chemistry and biology, but in the end, my degree was in genetics because of the options I chose. And yeah, there were more men than women at university. Um, and I think I was the only Pakistani girl on the course okay. out of 120 students. So yeah. that was a challenge. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I wore quite traditional. I mean, I wore trousers and tops and so on. Um, socially, you know, obviously I'm mixed in totally within the studying, but in terms of, you know, going to the pub or going out for social events, I didn't, that was, you know, expected that I would not take part in that. And that was fine. My main purpose to go to university was for the education, which I did. And I, I excelled in, in, in my studies really, because I felt I have, was given this golden opportunity that not many girls get I was going to make the best of it that's fantastic because sometimes what happens is and I really love the point that you said that for you education was more important but a lot of times it happens that when people come in um, and they obviously feel different from the rest of the crowd so what they do is they try to fit in I was very lucky that I managed to make good friends with um, a girl actually a Jewish girl from Israel who'd come over to study with, with her husband right you know she was married and then there was a Chinese girl who had actually come over by herself to study. And both those people had sacrificed a lot to get here to study. Right. So therefore, they were my friends. They're the people I socialized with. And their focus was totally on getting the best degree, you know, that they possibly could. So all our time was spent in the library and, you know, talking about our, our work and so on. So really, I didn't feel I missed out. And I was living at home anyway. So at the end of university, I used to come home. I had a in a very loving home environment where I was well supported and nurtured. So I really felt I didn't miss out. That's fantastic. And and what motivated you to go towards the education sector? Were you always very interested in this field? Well, actually, my first, you know, when I was a young, um, when I was young at school, I actually wanted to be a doctor. Right. And I had uh, the grades to go to actually a university. I was offered a place for Birmingham University to study medicine. 
Right. But that's where my parents were very reluctant to allow me to go and study away from London. Right. They said, we're happy for you to study. And my grade was one grade out to get a medical place in London. Right. So in the end, that's why I chose to go to Queen Mary and did, uh, you know, my genetics degree. Uh, but my first love, I've got to say, was uh, was medicine. Right. Yeah. And how, how do you feel about changing your love? Do, do you regret it? Do you, do you feel very happy about the decision you made? I think I've always realized that, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. And so, yeah, that door of medicine was closed because of, you know, me respecting my parents' wishes. But when I went into teaching, I loved it. I really enjoyed making that difference in young people's lives. I think I uh, really the love and support I had in my education from teachers, I was able to put that in my job. And I hope I've motivated lots and lots of young people to succeed in the in in their education. So therefore, I think I, I don't regret it now. But I think I was heartbroken when uh, I couldn't do medicine at the age of 18. Yeah. Right, right, right. I'm sure at that time it must have seen something like, you know, oh my God, yeah. I wasn't able to achieve my dreams, but I'm sure everything yeah. will up later on. That's perfect. So tell me something about your entire career, which is filled with these outstanding achievements, these amazing <laughs> accomplishments. So um, what do you think was responsible for all these amazing accomplishments? Were, were there characteristics in your own personality? Was it that you had a great network? Was it what was it? What do you think is most responsible for getting you here? I think one of the greatest things is, one, that, that whatever job I've done here, I've really enjoyed doing it. When I was a classroom teacher, I loved that. Right. When I was a head of department, I loved running my department. When I was, you know, a deputy, I really enjoyed that responsibility. When I became a head teacher, I really felt, you know, on top of the world that I was doing the most amazing job. So I think if you enjoy what you're doing and you work very hard at it, then I think you you will be you will be successful. I really believe that. Um, however, you also need a lot of support and you need lots of networks. So I was very lucky because not only was I progressing in my career, I also had three children in the time. Right. So I had, you know, support from my husband, my extended family, and particularly my mother, who helped to look after the children. So I was able to work and concentrate on my job and be a mum as well, obviously. But, you know, trying to balance both those things, you need a good network of support. Right. And you need positive people who, who will encourage you to move forward. So when, for example, the headship at Plashit came up, I was a deputy and I'd only been a deputy for about two and a half years. I, you know, I hadn't planned for that to happen. The head was leaving. A few other people were leaving as well. So either I took that job on myself or I worked with a totally new team. And I just took that decision, which was, you know, to go for that job. But after talking to my husband, my father, my mother, my children, and, you know, everybody was encouraging me. But then I sat down myself and really, really thought about it. Right. You know, is it job that I, I want? And Yes. Is it jo job that I think I can do? And I thought I could do it, although I would need some support, like in any new job. And um, And I was given a lot of support by lots of people. I think building up your network of support yes. is really crucial 
you know. I agree, um, I agree with that completely. Yes, you know, I've just been here in London for less than 18 months. And um, when I came here, I was really, I wasn't scared. I've, I've always been um, confident from that point of view. But obviously, a new culture, a new country. I came into yeah. originally from Pakistan. And, you know, yeah. starting a business from scratch was, was very difficult for me. But yeah. I think the one thing which really helped me was networking with, with the right kind of people. And Absolutely. that gave me a lot of exposure. And I'm, I'm very thankful. So I think it's it's really important to have the right kind of network. And, you know, when, yeah. when Sadiq Khan says that London is open, uh, yeah. honestly, I wasn't really sure of that statement until I explained myself and yeah. I thought the people were wonderful here they were very welcoming um, and you know whatever inhibitions or reservations I had were kind of I think dissolved over time because it was it was really a very open culture people were very good um, so tell me something um, Bushra did you take any conscious steps to get to where you were I mean were there any strategies which you applied um, other than of course networking and then being passionate about your work um, were you good at self-promoting yourself because women uh, and I'm writing a book on this on the top challenges faced by women and what is is amazing is that you know literally women across the globe whether it's whether it's professional women working in Pakistan or professional women working in Dubai or professional women working in the US and UK they face uh, the same issues throughout and that's um, you know imposter syndrome or perfectionism and the biggest one is uh, the inability to self-promote themselves so how important do you think is is it's it is to self-promote yourself in order to get out in front of people yeah I think I'm now realizing and I see it when people do do promote themselves Um, however I think my strategy was to do you know, besides doing the job, try to get as much training and knowledge in order to help me to do it successfully. Right. So, you know, when I was a head of science, I joined the network of heads of science teachers and worked very closely with an advisor to help, you know, you know, really uh, hone my skills and improve my skills in that job. Right. And then I went on some women into management courses uh, I think that really helped me to see positive role models, look at, you know, building really what are the skills that you need to do that job. And there's multiple skills like time management, there's times like organization, right. there are things like, um, uh, you know, there's certain techniques as well when you're managing people, like yes. importance of teamwork, having your vision clear, all that. So I think being in those sort of courses, I did a very interesting weekend um, course on, on counselling skills. Right. I think because a lot of my job with children and with staff actually involved a lot of coaching and, and counselling work. So I think whenever the right opportunities came up, I, I try to get as much training as possible. And through the training, is the training is important, but it's actually, again, the networks you build up through that training and sure. the people that you mix with then, you know, become, you know, sometimes your friends, sometimes they become coaches to you or they become people that you, you turn to, for example, when you need some advice or support. So I think this is self I mean, men I know, you know, I've been in education long enough, are very good at promoting themselves. Yes. You know, yeah, when I, I interview, like I was on a recent, I've been on a number of panels for head teacher appointments, and you can see it that the men tend to push themselves more. 
They may not even have the experience, but will apply for a job. Whereas a woman may have the experience, but she'll be a bit reluctant to, you know, put themselves forward sure. for it. So, you know, I do see that. I, I don't think I'm actually, I am a sort of person who actually does um, promote themselves. But I just feel very blessed that the opportunities have come my way. And it's sometimes making the best of those opportunities. Yes, yes. But you did you know. make the best out of those opportunities. And I think that's, that's important, right, to be able to make yeah. the best. Yeah. Opportunities. That's wonderful. And did you um, experience what they call imposter syndrome that, you know, who am I to achieve this? Who am I to be successful? Did you have self doubt issues ever in your job or, um, you know, in, in these last 20 or 30 years of your career? I think when I'm, you know, I think for me, the issue was when I was thinking about applying for the headship position, I, I'd always thought, you know, to go for a head teacher position, you've got to be a good deputy having done about 10, 12 years and so on. And when I thought about it, that when this job opportunity came up, it was a sort of school I would like to be a head teacher in. Right. And when you're ready for that, that school may not be there. So sometimes you've got to take a bit of a risk and grab an opportunity. And I think I have been lucky at taking some opportunities. And I see here I sometimes being in the right place at the right time. And I believe in destiny that certain things are destined for you. Yes, I agree. True, true. You know, so I think if you are there, but, you know, when you when you are in that position, you know, then what you've got to do is make the best possible decision you can with all the knowledge and using all the people around you to guide you. But be confident enough, then once you've made that decision, whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision, you've got to live by it. Right, right. That's and so right. on. You know, that's the one thing I have got a bit of a strength of character. You know, people say in my family that I'm quite a strong person okay. in the sense in terms of a crisis situation, or other people sometimes fall apart. I mean, at that time, I can hold it together. I may fall apart a bit down the line, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's important to be able to have that um, self-confidence when it's really necessary. And so on, and I think resilience is, is a trait which, which is really crucial for any leadership position. Um, and I think that's, that's where a lot of leaders are differentiated from the rest of the people when they show yeah. some confidence in, in the decisions that they have taken. And, and yeah. also being, um, I guess, uh, most women are usually risk averse. So we do, yeah. to be able to embrace risks and take yeah. responsibility for whatever the outcome is, is a, again, yeah. an important trait. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I see that you do a lot of work for BME initiatives, and that's something which um, I've been very passionate about ever since I moved to London. Um, so as a role model, and I'm sure you are a role model to a lot of, um, you know, children and women, men and women both actually, and especially yeah. children who belong yeah. to minorities. So what would be your suggestions for them? Because sometimes it does get difficult when you see, um, you know, majority of the times people are really nice, but sometimes you do get to see discrimination or, you know, things which are not going your way. So how would you advise these children? What, what, what would be your recommendations or your, you know, pearls of wisdom which you would want to share with these people? Well, to young people, I would say, you know, try to be the best you can be, you know. And, you know, Allah has blessed you with lots of skills and talents. Try to, you know, educationally, you know, get to the maximum you can do. 
And also, alongside that, value your background, your culture, your religion, your parents, and all the things that make you what you are. Because you are a whole person because of all these different things, all these attributes that you've got. And don't try to lose that, you know? Definitely. So when you go into, you know, any situation, obviously, you know, you're going to put yourself in situations where you're not always in the most comfortable position. Right. But, you know, be proud of your background. Be, be proud of who you are. And, you know, believe that people can learn from you as much as you can learn from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the most important thing is to be, you know, I was speaking at this panel at uh, PricewaterhouseCooper last week and Oh, yeah. National Women's Day, in fact. And it's exactly what I told people because I said, I think it's very, very important to be proud of your identity and not to do things just to fit in. Absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the greatest lessons. I'm very thankful for my parents who has given me this, yeah. this, this leadership lesson, I would say, is yeah. to actually follow and your beliefs and your values. And yeah. that's really important because when I came to London, of course it was difficult because there were things which I didn't do. Um, yeah. I, I, did, I don't drink alcohol. So it yeah. which, which meant that if I went out to parties, it was difficult because it was all about drinking booze. But then I said, okay, I will still go, but I'll have water instead. Yeah. And I still yeah. went and I still went. But nobody here forces you. Exactly. You, know, you go into any environment, nobody's going to force nobody you. They're very respectful of you if you, there's no halal food there's normally yes. a vegetarian option there, there is drink at a social function there is you know alcohol yeah some people drink it some people don't there's always yeah. soft drinks as well I think you know it's very important for us to be also able to socialize and as much as possible talk to people about um you know your ideas and share them with people because the one problem you know it is difficult is if you don't mix with people then the understanding doesn't increase and one of the things i purposely did here was continue to wear my traditional shamakamis pakistani clothes i you know when i got my cbe when i got professional women of the year as a head teacher you know i wore elegant shamakamises with a nice you know, top with a nice blazer or a jacket and so on. So I, I hope I came over looking professional, but it doesn't mean you have to change and wear a skirt. You just, you wear what you think. And because by wearing that, I was actually giving a message to the girls in my school and to the community that you can be a professional woman, you can be a head teacher, but you can still have a very clear identity. And I wanted the girls to feel par- proud of the identity. Absolutely. I love that. And, and I remember when last year when there were lots of different um, you know, networking events in Ramadan. <laughs> I was fasting, but I would still go out and they would, and yeah. people respected that. People knew and it yeah. was pretty sweet. In fact, whether I was breaking fast, a lot of friends were actually coming yeah. and doing things. Uh, yeah. plays it, you know? So this is, I, and I think it's all about awareness. The more you make people understand, I had, I had this big eat party at my place and, yeah. and boys from my, my son's class came and they really had a great time because they understood yeah. what Eid was, they understood the concept. Absolutely, like absolutely. absolutely. And I, I, I so like your, um, you know, this, this whole recommendation and suggestion to the youth today. Do not forget your identity. Be proud of who you are. Um, and yes, while you are sticking to your identity, try and socialize, make people aware of what absolutely. you do, what you are. That is so important. This, this is, yeah, this is brilliant. And is there anything else you would like to share? Any, any tips, any strategies for 
for women out there who are trying to um, start their business, who are trying to um, make a career, especially women, you know, women like me. Well, I, I'm not really immigrant. I'm more of an expat, but of course there are lots, yeah. lots of immigrant women who are, you know, starting out their career for the first time and starting their business for the first time. What would be your advice to them? Yeah, my advice would be, you know, there are lots of opportunities here in Britain, many more opportunities for women than there are probably back in my own. I still call it my home country because that's my country of, of birth. Of you know, or, you know, but I've lived here, you know, now for over 50 years. So really, I'm more yes. British than I am Pakistani. But I, I feel privileged that I've got double, you know, dual nationality. So, um, but I think there are opportunities here. I think first and primary thing is maximize any educational opportunities. So if there are courses or if there are training programs and so on that will help you on your career path, access those. A lot of them are free, you know, and um, they can be online and so on. So try to get the basic qualifications that you need um, and then try to attend events where like-minded people can come together so then build up your network and your contacts really and try to keep up to date with the current knowledge in in your you know aspect of your career I mean I'm in education I've retired but I still weekly read the Times Educational Supplement which is the you know the weekly newspaper which has got all the key facts about education that is my love and, you know, you want to keep updated with, with what is actually happening and so on. Um, so I, that, I would just say get as much knowledge, skills, network, attend events, find out as much as you possibly can, and perhaps take that plunge like I did for headship. Right. No time, you know, people have said to me, how did you plan your career to be a head teacher? And I, honestly, I say I'd never planned a career to be a head teacher. You know, it happened. What what I did, there were some opportunities were there for me, and I was able to grab them and try to turn them into successes through hard work, determination, sometimes at a sacrifice. Because I think when you are going to be pursuing a career that is pretty tough, like a head teacher, right. and some things give. You know, I mean, I knew when I became a head teacher, I would need a lot of support from my husband. Yes. You know, in terms of managing the children, I had teenage children at the time, but he and I agreed he would put his career a little bit second. You know, my extended family helped me a great deal. They also were aware that, you know, if I was going to have a governor's meeting, I wouldn't be back at, at say, at nine or 10 o'clock. Or when I had an Ofsted inspection, that whole week would be written off in terms of any communication or, you know, things that I could input into the home. But, you know, there are sacrifices to be made, you know, when you are going to be with that career. But as long as you are able to then balance that. So during the holiday time, I made sure I had time for the children, had time for my husband and so on. Um, Always, you know, keep an overview of health. I think that's really important as well, because that's sometimes one of the things that goes. Women who are career minded will put their career first they put their children first they may put their husband first but it's they themselves who sometimes don't put their own needs first and sometimes health can suffer so trying to get the right work-life balance i think is really really important 
you know a career is important yes. home life is important as well but balancing the two you know it's an art it can be done and there are very many women who've done it right. and um you know the joy you get of you know now i've got three grown-up children and six grandchildren oh, wow. <laughs> that's as important to me yeah. as as my career you know true, true. I agree. No, this is fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Bushra. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, um, where where can they reach out to you? Do you have like a website, or should, you know, can they email you? Are you? Do you have yeah, a- they can email. Uh, my email address is bushra b u s h r a nasa n a s i r seven eight six at hotmail dot com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Bushra. It was a pleasure interviewing you today. Pleasure was mine as well. Thank you, Hira. R&R trains, coaches, and mentors women, empowering them to overcome personal and professional challenges and enabling them to revitalize and rise. You are now listening to R&R Sheroes, conversations with inspirational and sheroic female role models who are creating a difference. To hear these motivational conversations, subscribe to RevitalizeAndRise.com.